Blog Talk Radio. Okay, there we go. Hi, everyone. This is Camille from sunny California, and you're listening to the Coffee Chat with Camille show, which is the podcast series that interviews various guests about real-life topics for people who love to learn. Hi, everybody. It is the evening time in California. Our topic is how is it writing a first writing as a first time author with JV Hillard. I'm going to tell you a little bit about JV because I'm pretty sure he's holding on the line. I am, as he says, I am a debut author of the epic fantasy book, The Last Keeper, book one of the War Minister series. If your audience are fans of Sword and Sorcerer, Dungeons and Dragons, Tolkien, and Game of Thrones, or are partial to fantasy adventure tales with gripping action and heart-pounding adventure, they are sure to love this classical series. Okay, so you can um, go to JV's um, website, and it is JV Hillard, spelled H-I-L-L-I-A-R-D dot com. Okay, now we're about to get into this interview. Hello. Hi, thanks for having Hi, me. Hi, JV. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, it's such a pleasure. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump into the interview. So no why problem. do you write? Well, you know, I've always had an interest oh. in it. Uh, when I was growing up, um, I think my interest was spurred uh, in two separate instances. My First of all, in, in, in the one that really kind of calls you home, uh, my uncle was paralyzed in the Vietnam War. He was a Marine, and when I grew up, my mother was his nurse, and he was like a second father to me, so I grew up in his bedroom, and he was very limited in what he can do, and some of the things he could do uh, involved writing. You know, so he didn't look at his condition as something that would limit him, and it inspired me as a, as a young child, and, and so he wrote on a typewriter with a utensil that the VA you know fixed for him, and he was able to click on his typewriter um, and even though he was bedridden uh, and part of the time uh, was in a wheelchair, um, that was something he could do, and that was his form of escapism. And so, as you're, you know, when you're young, you're always looking up to your dad. Uh, and I wanted to be a writer. And then uh, the second part of it was, you know, around the same time that I recognized that I liked writing, I had a, a, an English teacher, and when I was in fourth or fifth grade, uh, leave on a medical sabbatical, and the a uh, substitute teacher that came in to finish the year, he was in for about a, you know, maybe four or five weeks, ended up reading us The Hobbit uh, by Tolkien. And I just fell in love with fantasy adventure ever since. I mean, I looked forward to going to class to hear the next chapter in the story. Uh, and you combine those two things, and that's really why I write. Wonderful. And then why do you write in your specific genre? Well, you know, it's something that's always appealed to me from those times, uh, you know, that I mentioned with, the, with my introduction to Tolkien. But what really took off for me was, you know, I've been a role player uh, for a number of years. Uh, in particular, Dungeons & Dragons is my favorite game. I've played other role-playing games, but, you know, that is a game for storytellers and folks that want to play different characters. And 
it allows you to, you know, to be something that you're not and find a form of your own escapism. Uh, and me and my friends from high school have been playing for 20 years now. And we all have families and some of us are scattered around the country, but we all get on, you know, Skype on Sunday nights from 6 to 10 and, you know, play the next adventure. And, you know, some guys have a poker club. Uh, you know, other guys play softball or whatever. We play Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, it's kind of nerdy, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and I think that, you know, that's kind of, it's it, it feels like home to me. I understand the genre very well. I've read many of the popular and many, many of the indie authors that I like uh, that have, uh, you know, come along through that genre. And so I've always, it, you know, sci-fi and fantasy have always appealed to me. Uh, but my favorite is, 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 of course, fantasy adventure. Thank you so much. And then what do you love most about writing and being an author? Um, a few things, right? So I, I think that the first thing is, is it's escapism. You know, my day job is that of a, a D.C. lobbyist. I do government affairs work in the defense and technology industries. Um, and that is all the realism I need. <laughs> you know, it's it's already you know it's already real enough. Uh, and and um, you know, I, you couple that with politics uh, that wrap around that in many instances. And you know, I need something to escape from that. Uh, and so for me, this is a form of escapism. Secondly, I you know I've always wanted to entertain people. Now I don't have the talent to pick up a guitar or sing a song. Um, you know, or even, you know, I can't draw a straight line with a ruler, you know, so there's, you know, my, my talents are limited to storytelling and I happen to be a pretty good writer. And part of that is because I write every day, you know, and even though most of it for my day job has been nonfiction, um, you know, I've been able to attune myself to writing more and better dialogue. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the, in, in storytelling, it's a little different than, you know, than what I do day-to-day writing policy or grants or things of that nature. This is more, to be frank, this is, you know, this is, I've got to learn how to pace my stories and, you know, I've got to, you know, spin the tale and I've got to have character development and all these things I had to learn a little bit on the fly. But, you know, I think that gives me the opportunity to, to you know, throw this work out into the world and hope people you know, really enjoy it and, and see, you know, I, I have a, what makes me tick, you know, when people, you know, I've gotten fan art where people have drawn characters that they've imagined from reading the novels or people that have contacted me wanting to write fan fiction uh, about the Warminster series, you know, and it's just, that is humbling. You know, it's very flattering when people spend their, you know, their downtime reading your stuff and it, and it makes you feel good. Uh, and so I, I really enjoy that. And those are really the two reasons why I do it. Okay. And then who is your favorite character in one of your books? Well, I have – that's a bit of a cheat. My, and, but I, and I'll answer it honestly. Uh, Sir Ritter of Vulcaneer is likely my favorite character. And the reason it is is because I played him as a Dungeons & Dragons character. Now, my world is clearly different than Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I have to, you know, the realm of Warminster is, is a made-up realm. It doesn't, it, it is inspired by much of my gameplay, uh, but, you know, it has unique monsters and unique characters and unique magic systems and things that make it my own. Uh, but Sir Ritter was a character I played for almost two years, and he was kind of like an Aragorn from from Tolkien or, 
you know, you know, the kind of like hero, you know, unspoken, quiet leader type. Uh, and, you know, he ends up being, you know, a dutiful hero throughout the novels and, you know, has to overcome some of his own challenges, which is he falls in love with a, a highborn elven priest or, or uh, princess. And um, he himself is lowborn. He's kind of like a, you know, he's a mudblood. If you're to use a Harry Potter term, he's part human and part elven, and therefore he's an outcast in both societies. Uh, and so, you know, there's lessons to be learned about duty and a call to duty and, and serving and doing the right thing, even though it, it, it pulls against what you want to do personally. And there's also something that, you know, talks about, you know, contemporary society in that too, which is, you know, you know, people marrying people of different races, different, you know, colors, uh, you know, different genders getting together and things like that. And, and how Ritter is sort of like this quiet hero that for a while was looked down upon ends up being a, you know, one of the saviors of the realm, you know, at, at the end of the day and, um, you know, why people open their eyes to, you know, why they shouldn't look down uh, or why they shouldn't be accepting uh, of all kinds. And so there's like, you know, a, a, you know, there's so much wrapped into him. You know, I, I just think that he's, he's just a really cool character and, and that's why I like him the most. How do you write plotter or pantser? I am a plotter to the core. I, I, I have tried to be a pantser and it just doesn't work for me. Um, you know, I, I need to know the direction in which I'm writing and I write my novels backwards to front. And I do that because it's easy for me to then make sure that everything I want to get into that novel is in there. Because if you, you know, so I kind of reverse engineer my way to this, you know, this, this plot. Um, and I plot everything out on a, on a whiteboard in my office. And, you know, I, I make sure that the character arcs are hitting the right places and the plot lines are coming together at the right places. And then as I add them into the novel, writing it backwards, I erase them from the board, and that way I never miss anything. Everything's baked into it. And I feel more comfortable with that. And I think that's, you know, part of being an epic fantasy writer. There's so much. I mean, you're building a world that they're, that the readers are looking into right now, but has a distant past, and it also has a future. Um, you know, very much like Game of Thrones or Tolkien or Wheel of Time or any, any of the, the more popular um, fantasy adventure novels you see that and you have to plan for that. You just can't sit down and, and wing that. And I think that, that it really, um, that appeals to my meticulous nature, you know, and I think that that's something that uh, makes it easier for me to, to be a, a plotter. And I don't think I could do it. Like if someone said, Hey, here's a couple of topics, sit down and go like, write me something by the end of the day. I, I would freeze up. Like I need to know where I'm writing to like, give me an end, give me a, give me an event. And, and so, you know, that's how I, I handle it. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, that's not the way everybody does it. But fortunately for me, that's the way I do it. <laughs> and it works pretty well. So I'll, I'll, I'll roll with it. Thank you. And then who are your favorite authors and which one has influenced you? Well, you know, that's an easy one, right? So the, I, I say he's the granddaddy of them all, but J.R.R. Tolkien um, you know, without him, there would not be a fantasy adventure genre. So it's hard to say he's not one of my favorites. Uh, and I like his writing style too. It's very dense. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's rich. Um, you can get into it and read it several times and, you know, pick up something new every time you get into it. And I think that he would be, 
at the top of that list. And others that are in that category, more contemporary authors, are people like R.I. Salvatore, who uh, writes the uh, Dritz Duarden, like the Dark Elf trilogy for Forgotten Realms, and uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, who are you know, popularized by the Dragonlance series. Again, both of those authors come from Dungeons and Dragons backgrounds. Uh, and so I've emulated them in a way. Now, I don't have the right to borrow Dungeons and Dragons stuff straight up, so I had to create my own stuff. But it's near enough that, you know, folks that play the game will see that there's, you know, there's gameplay built into, uh, you know, my, my stories. And much of the, that has been memorialized over the years of my gameplay. That's where I come up with some of my plots. But I, I do say this because I think it shocks people sometimes. I think my favorite author of all time is Bram Stoker. You know, I think he is amazing. Uh, he's really detailed. Uh, I love reading his stuff. And uh, Dracula and the, and the Gothic appeal to me. So I try to make my epic fantasy a little dark fantasy, too. And I think that that gives a little bit of a, you know, a difference between what you would typically read um, you know, in an epic fantasy, you, you'll see a little bit of that dark gothic horror stuff that, that pops out of my novels from time to time. And so did you weave any real-life experiences into the novels? I sure did. You know, as, as a D.C. lobbyist, I, I learned a couple of things. I mean, you, you know, uh, first of all, I, you, you're around politics every day. And as a result, you see how people govern and you see how deals are cut. Uh, and you're part of that deal making, and then you see how that translates at the local, state, and federal levels of government, as well as internationally, uh, and understanding how countries think. Uh, and you know, in you know my sort of medieval fantasy setting, you know how these this feudal system works. Uh, a lot of what happens today is 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 grounded in those novels. So like the plot lines are not dissimilar from plot lines you would see. Uh, it, happening in, in today or near today's society. Uh, and I, I've learned a lot from that. And secondarily, I've, I've also always had a, uh, an interest in science fiction. And so what I've taken with my work with the Pentagon and, and technology, uh, and I've woven that into my stories too. I've created a, a magical city uh, called Abacus, which is a sort of a free-thinking city, a city of scholars uh, in the realm. And each, each book, Abacus plays a role uh, with the creation of a new tech. Now, I say that not to scare away people that like traditional fantasy where you're really using swords and shields and armor. That is 99% of what you're going to find in my novels. But I try every now and then to give the good guys and the bad guys a little bit of a tech advantage just to kind of, you know, to, to, to satisfy those that like sci-fi like me. Um, but it's not overwhelming. It's something that's, you know um, – set within the time frame of like Western medieval society. So you'll recognize some stuff because it's stuff that's really come from history. You might not know how it was used or where it came from, and I might name it something different. But if you're clever enough to see it, you'll be able to pick up on some of that stuff, and it gives the good guys a, an advantage every now and then. Oh, that's outstanding. And then if you could spend a day with one of your characters, That's a great question. I would choose Damus Alaric, and Damus is uh, the main character in the novels. And in part, it's because he goes through such a transformation. He's sort of it's like a coming of age story for him in many ways. He's a little older than, you know, 
a Harry Potter theme, uh, but you know he's a you know when the novels start out he's somewhere in his late teens, and he's and he's graduating from this this uh, uh, the school called the Cathedral of the Watchful Eye, and he's becoming a keeper of the forbidden, and and this is a a character that has the ability of a prophet, a seer. And he sees things that come to pass when he dreams, very much like a, a modern-day Edgar Cayce would. Um, and, you know, it, these dreams formulate um, really the, the direction of the, the first plot line, which is this rivalry that's growing between him and the villain, this man named Grey Taurus the Mad, who also has this power but is a fallen keeper, someone that used the tenets of his religion of, of wisdom and, uh, and knowledge uh, in a way that he was punished and cursed by his ancient, which is my term for, for gods and goddesses, the ancients. Um, and as a result, he was stripped of his powers. Uh, and for some reason, he is, he is catapulted into this um, harrowing adventure between his drive for vengeance and Damus's drive to stop it from happening to save the realm and to save his sect. Uh, and so looking through Davis's eyes would be terrifying because uh, you're seeing all these things before they happen. Um, and also, you know, he doesn't know how to control it. You know, so I would love to be in his shoes for just a day to feel what I'm writing, hoping that I, that I can instill in him so when other people read it, they can see it too. Uh, but also, like, he knows he has a, 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 you know, he's a young character with an old wisdom. You know, it's something he'll, he sees coming, and he, in the beginning, he just doesn't know how to use it, and he has to mature into it over the course of the, of the four-book series. And I think that it would be interesting just to pick his brain because he's like the, you know, the, 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 the reluctant hero, right? Like, I don't want any of this. I just want to be a normal guy. And yet he can't be. Uh, the realm's depending on him. And so it's, I think that's a lot of fun, and it would be interesting to hear it from his voice instead of my voice you know, projected into his. Right. And then, uh, if your book becomes a movie, what actor or actress would you play? Me? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I, 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 I'm the, I don't have the kind of face that's good for cameras. Uh, so I would suggest they might want to have me narrate, and I would like to be the chronicler of the realm. Uh, what actor, you know, the James Earl Jones voice for that kind of role would be completely incredible. Uh, but, you know, my sense is that he might be a little too expensive, uh, you know, for, for my low budget, <laughs> low rent movie when it starts to come out. But uh, I, I would say, James Earl, I, I want to cast Darth Vader's voice as me, you know, the, the voice of the chronicler of the realm of Warminster. Uh, and then I can avoid it. Maybe they show me like, you know, like Earl, Burl Ives was like Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, where it's really not Burl Ives, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a claymation Burl Ives. If they, could, if they could do that with me, you know, and just show me like shadowed in the background, I think that would be everybody's advantage. <laughs> okay. And so, um, oh, my last question for you, JV, is what is your favorite coffee and or hot beverage? So I grew up in a British household. Uh, so uh, part of my family was first-generation uh, Brits that came from London. The other part of my family were first-generation Germans that came from Munich. So we didn't drink a lot of coffee. We drank beer and tea. 
so my my tea. favorite okay. hot beverage is Earl Grey tea uh, that my grandfather and grandmother, Got for it. that matter, used to make. So I would I would say uh, Earl Grey tea any time of the day. Wonderful. Thank you so much, JB. This has been a wonderful interview with you. And um, yes, you have a great pleasure. voice, by the way. Oh, well, thank you very <laughs> thank much. Thank you so well, very much. Maybe I can narrate my own movie yeah, then. I don't need James Earl Jones. Let's kick him to the curb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is there any, um, uh, uh, how can I say it, social media handles that you want to leave with our guest? I did um, let them know about your website. It's also in, this, in the description of this show. Yeah, sure. So if you want to find me on social media, I'm really easy to find. You can look at at JV Hilliard Books, and you can find me there on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, or Instagram. And then if you just use JV Hilliard, you can find me on Facebook and Discord. So that's where I am, and that's how you can get a hold of me. Beautiful. Thank you again. It's been such a pleasure, and bye for now. Thank you very much. I really, again, appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Yes, you're welcome. Bye for now. Thank you. Okay, everyone. That was the wonderful J.V. Hilliard, right? He has a great, great voice, and um, and uh, apparently he's just an incredible person. Um, so what I want to do is, again, mention his um, email hand. Excuse me, not email. I apologize. His um, website. It's J.V. Hilliard, which is H-I-L-L-I-A rd.com okay and um, if you like want to read the show notes you can go to blog talk radio and then just put in coffee chat with Camille um, and then probably by tomorrow or at least by the end of the week this uh, particular episode and season six it will be on um, the website which is coffee chat with Camille.com Okay, so thank you guys so much for being um, great listeners out there and a great audience. And again, thank you, JV. Bye for now, everyone. The biggest Black Friday sale ever is going on right now at Prime Furniture. All living room furniture is 35% off. Get living room ready for all the big games after Thanksgiving. For a limited time, Prime Furniture is giving away your choice of a television, coffee table, or end table with the purchase of any living room furniture set. For prime quality, prime prices, and the best Black Friday deals in town, choose family-owned and operated Prime Furniture. Stop by their showroom on Roberts Road in Hilliard or visit them online at primefurnitureoh.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.